Hello and welcome to Spirit Pig. This is the show that explores how to live a fulfilled life. I'm Duncan CJ and today I'm talking to Creel Price. Richard Branson described Creel as the living, breathing definition of an entrepreneur and someone who never, ever accepts that there's not a way to solve something. Creel Price is one of Australia's most dynamic entrepreneurs and leading business minds. He founded eight businesses before he left school, and at 25, Creel co-founded Blueprint Management Group with just $5,000 of capital. In 10 years, it grew to 1,000 staff uh, across 10 industries and was later sold for $109 million. Creel now spends his time teaching and mentoring other entrepreneurs to realize their business dreams and is part of a movement of entrepreneurs who are helping to make business a force for good in the world. Creel, thank you so, so much for being here today and talking to me. Yeah, it's great to be here, Duncan. Uh, I mentioned just there, I mean, like, eight businesses before you left school. I know that, I think, I think the first one was a strawberry business when you were just 11 years old. Like, how come? I mean, was this, was this just always just a drive inside you? Or, like, how, how come, basically? This is, this is amazing. Well, I guess there was a little bit of drive there, but it was, I was more of a necessity entrepreneur. We were, my family farm was going through a pretty uh, severe drought at the time, and there was no money around, and my brother and I wanted to buy a uh, computer. Some of your listeners might remember the Commodore 64. It was one of, one of our dreams to buy, get our hands on one of those little uh, marvels of technology, so we, um, we, we concocted the plan to, uh, to you know, put in some strawberry plants and sell them beside the highway that split our farm in two. Were these companies like running alongside each other, or was like one didn't work, and so you tried something new, and then that failed, and you tried something new, or was these was this or was this eight companies like running alongside each other? No, it was probably one after the other. My strawberry uh, business went for about three years; it was pretty successful. In fact, it ended up being one of the main income earners for my family during that, that pretty tough time. And so I was employing my brother, and um, my in my mind at least, I was employing my parents. They they don't see it that way. Um, <laughs> Went through a series of, you know, I, I guess I got the entrepreneurial bug and, you know, I had this, uh, I, I went and bought a whole lot of bees and, and started selling honey or I, I, back in those days, everyone used to go to the seaside and collect a teaspoon. And so that, I, I came up with this plan where I designed this teaspoon rack and made them and sold them to little old grannies and stuff. So that, that was the sort of things I did. It's amazing. And I, I know that watching your father run the farm was um, a big inspiration for you. Was, 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 your, was your family, was it a very supportive network? I mean, were you always encouraged to go out and try things and basically just try your luck at stuff? I mean, I know you said it was through necessity, but was it from quite a supportive um, environment? Yeah, sure. I guess my, my grandfather was a stock and station agent, which is the Aussie term for like a, an auctioneer that sells uh, big stations and stuff. And then my father was as well. So I guess they, they were both entrepreneurs, um, and then Dad, Dad was always a guy that, that came up with a new idea every every week. We didn't always put them into place, but it was quite an exciting thing to be around. A lot of people were coming to you being like, hey, Creel, like, what is what is the one thing I can do to you know be successful in business, or what is the one thing that took your company from $5,000 up to $109 million? And I think you said yourself, this is obviously like you know a crazy idea to try and, uh, I know, break down the whole business journey into one thing but you actually kind of realized actually it there is kind of one main thing behind it and it's, it's this idea of decisionship could you maybe just explain to our listeners what you mean by decisionship and kind of what the importance of that is yeah sure well i guess firstly i think it's, it, was, it was quite curious that that entrepreneurs are so um um, driven for success, but also a little bit lazy that they only wanted one thing not they didn 't want to list of ten things so yeah, so I, I cottoned onto this idea. 
that, that it was your ability to make um, you know more uh, you know faster, better informed decisions without the angst. So that, those three elements that for me makes the ideal decision maker, someone that you know has the right amount of speed, not too fast, not too slow. Uh, the right amount of information, not someone that's a real data junkie, but also not someone that's got their head in the sand. But And then this concept of, I, I met a lot of entrepreneurs, I guess, that they weren't enjoying business. So what, what they didn't realize is not every decision has to be successful. Um, so they have to play the numbers game of, of business. You know, the, the really mega decisions, maybe they need to get that right 75% of the time. The major decisions, maybe 50% of the time, but minor decisions like, the color, the Pantone color of your brochure might be right 25% of the time. So that's really what decision ship's all about. The thing that what trips a lot of people up is that it's that well, they're so concerned by the end result rather than the fact that actually, as an entrepreneur, their decision is just to what make a decision and then just whatever the outcome, what just to accept it and then just to move on to the next stage. Is that is is that kind of the the message behind it that it's just about making decision and, and keep on moving rather than what being sort of paralyzed by just the angst and the worry of like what the, the result is yeah absolutely i think i think that's how you start to enjoy business more that you realize that, it, that it's the game first of all and then the rules of the game is it's just a matter of making those decisions um and and not beating yourself up too much if you make a bad decision but one of the things that we do through our programs i guess is teach people to uh to start to develop three types of sites so foresight is about how making this decision today what impact might it have on my on, on the future of the business or me, insight, how do we bring um, you know, the data to bear uh, today? And then hindsight, which I think is one of the most important, is how do we learn off past decisions? So it's not about make a decision and then forget about it. It's about make a decision. And even if it's a bad one, you say, okay, if I, if I had to make this decision in the future again, what would I do differently? So you're, still, you're, you're getting better and better and better. So over time, hopefully, you can train your, what, what, what we call your entrepreneurial eye to be a better um, entrepreneur. And so is that, is that one of the main benefits? Because like, what, what I was going to say, what are the sort of the benefits that you know, people can see in their lives if they're able to master this? Like it, it, that one you just said, like the hindsight thing, is that a big one? But like what kind of other things, you know, if, if you really work on this, you know, have you seen you know, through your clients, you know, if they can actually, if they can really work on this decision-making skill, like what kind of benefits can they see? Yeah, well, it's pretty interesting. I had this lady approach me in the street that she'd done one of my, um, my programs and she goes, oh my God, it just made such a difference to my life. And I was thinking, oh, she's going to tell me about how she's built this multi-billion dollar business. But it, she said, I, I, I shared it with my husband, and he's so annoying. Every time I, um, you know, if you if had to go and buy a pair of glasses, he'd go to three different shops, and he'd try on every single pair of glasses that used to drive me crazy. Um, and then she said, now, I told him about this, this you know, life's just about decisionship, um, which I really hadn't cottoned off on, on the time, but I think she's probably right. And he, she says, he'll try now three pairs of glasses on, make a decision, and move on. It's great. So... Uh, it was quite, it's quite an unintended consequence of, uh, of, of decisionship, but I, I think she's onto something that, you know, if entrepreneurship is decisionship, probably leadership is, definitely, but, you know, I'm starting to come around to the, the view that probably uh, life or citizenship is equally about decisionship. If you think about the, the biggest decisions you make in your life, um, people rarely regret those massive decisions to move cities or to, um, you know, get divorced or to get, it to, to, uh, to get married or to change jobs or to have kids. Any of those big decisions you rarely regret. Yeah, because that was, that was one of the things I was going to actually ask about, because obviously, like, right now, we're talking about it in sort of, like, in a business framework or, you know, in the context of, like, in starting a business and entrepreneurship. But that was one of the things I was actually going to mention. Like, how, how does this relate to sort of, like, all other facets of life, you know, through, you know, our social interactions, through the way we approach, I know, mindset, our health, you know, is, is, is this idea of just 
being quick, making decisions, and making bigger, like better decisions. I mean, I was gonna. Does that does that filter into all elements of life? Would you say? Yeah, definitely. I, and I think that you know there was a little book written ages ago called "Don't Sweat the Small Stuff," and I think that by splitting decision making into these mega, major, and minor decisions helps you understand how many sleepless nights you should be having about minor decisions, and really none, you know, because at the end of the day, it's just a minor decision, just make it and move on. Yeah, because I think that's one, one thing I saw, um, I think it was a quote which you actually began your book with, um, and it was like uh, by uh, Albert Camus, and it was like, life is the sum of all your choices. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think that really, I'm starting to come around, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a student of this myself, so uh, I'm, I'm pretty good at entrepreneurship, but the whole life thing, I think, uh, you know, over time, I think you get a lot of wisdom and then you die. So it's sort of like you, you, you need to uh, try and uh, get a bit more wisdom sooner, maybe. <laughs> and one, one concept which um, I really loved and I really resonated with um, was this idea of uh, your like, concept of entrepreneurance. Uh, could you basically just describe to our listeners what exactly you mean by entrepreneurance? I don't know if I even pronounced that right. Yeah, <laughs> a mate. renaissance, but entrepreneurship. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, I started to... Um, to talk about, you know, the world needs a revolution because, you know, really, um, you know, consumerism has got out of control. Um, you know, there's so much middle management these days that I can't see why people would be happy just passing emails around the office and staring at a computer all the time. I see corporations are pretty, um, pretty hungry. It's all about shareholder value. You know, everyone looks to governments to fix it, but really their hands are tied. Um, and, and, you know, charities certainly aren't the answer. These guys have to put their hand out every year to raise money. So they spend most of their time uh, fundraising, not really always helping the, the, the cause that they purport to. So um, and, and, and last year, for instance, I was, I was asked by the UN to help, um, uh, you know, 100 entrepreneurs. We, we put our minds to fixing the millennial goal. So I, I know the answer is not the UN is not going to fix the world either. So for me, the realization was entrepreneurs are going to be the, the guys that are going to do it. Um, and if, if I started to, to talk about this idea of a revolution. It really polarized people. And they go, well, I think the world's not that bad. So then I started to flip it around and said, you know, well, maybe we do need to keep some of the things that we all hold dear, but a, a renaissance is all about a revival of some of the things from the past and that builds on the past. So, and that sort of idea started to take off. I did quite a lot of study in, um, in Florence around what, what were the, the, the factors that, that um, made um, Italy such a, a hotbed in the late 15th century. Um, and I think whilst the, uh, the grand masters of art and sculpture and politics and science and poetry, um, you know, w w in, the, in that day was what made this amazing explosion of, um, of expression and, and legacy. These days it's going to be entrepreneurial minds. It'll be the same. Yeah, because I, 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 I love that because I actually studied uh, I studied history of art and art uh, and you know when I was you know back in the 1500s or like the Medici family and it was that sort of hotbed of like art and philosophy and discussion and you know in this sort of yeah like you said that sort of melting pot of ideas and um and so yeah do you, do you feel that we're kind of going through that at the moment or do you think it's actually coming up do you think it's that is that something to aim for or do you think that's happening as we speak? Yeah, well, it was, it was a pretty new concept, to be honest, 10 years ago when I started uh, talking about it. People would give me a very blank look, thinking, <laughs> why would we do that? But, uh, but if I, I fast forward to the, today, entrepreneurship is the new black. So I think, you know, every, every, there's, they did a survey in, in America last year of, of, um, of university leavers, and 70% of them believe that they'll start their own business within the next five years. 
and and you know we, even some of the stuff that I do with my kids foundation you just see entrepreneurship is is you know it's probably the Mark Zuckerberg factor to be honest people think wow you know why, why would I go and work for 50 years of my life if I can start a business at uni and um, you know create the next big thing so I think I think and, and governments are looking at how to, how do we use it UN as I as I mentioned charities are starting to change their business models um, as you know with some of the, the, the colleagues we have in common that are that are rather than uh, just fundraising they're using business to uh, to create um, powerful new ways of, of helping people. Do you, do you think, like, like as you mentioned at the beginning, when you said um, sort of your entre- your entrepreneurship sort of came out of like necessity with like the whole sort of global recession? Do you think that a lot of this has been fueled by that? Because the fact that people now that you know the the idea of getting you know a safe reliable job and, and you're sorted for you know your next twenty thirty forty years because you know that was almost taken away from a lot of people. Do you think that necessity has fueled this sort of entrepreneurial drive as well? Yeah, I think it may be in part, but I think Australia is a good example of of why that's not the case because we're we're probably only just about to go into the recession. We're, we're a few years behind you guys. We've we've sort of didn't land, but the entrepreneurship is definitely alive and well here in Australia. Everyone seems to want a, a bit of entrepreneurship, which is uh, which is pretty pleasing. So so I don't think that's it's, it's that alone. I think it's more of a a realization of an of a new era where people want something more out of life, and um, they believe that entrepreneurship. Um, rather than working for someone else, is where they're going to get that freedom and fulfilment that, that maybe they can't get working for a corporate, say, or a government job. Mm. And one of the things I love about um, what you do is if you're like, rather than suddenly seeing business as a separate entity away from sort of social good, that you, you've been like sort of a pioneer in the development of new models of business that combine commerce with social good. What are some of the ways in which you feel business can be a catalyst for positive change in the world? Yeah, well, I think um, first of all, it's you know the, the business values is making sure of it, and and, and generally um, entrepreneurial run businesses they do. I think there's a little bit of guilt there that they can only be successful and, and feel good about um, you know making the business lucrative for themselves if they are helping their employees or their clients, um, and then hopefully being a good corporate citizen. So I think it starts there, but then we've got. Um, entrepreneurs that build their business up, say, and sell them like I did. It's saying, okay, well, how do you, you, you um, your next stage in life, how do you even use those skills, more than the money, really, to be honest, how do you use that commercial acumen to, uh, to help people? And then thirdly, you've got the, uh, the social enterprise where we're saying, okay, from day one, the business is set up that maybe a percentage or 100% of the profits goes to fund um, some really cool stuff around the world. Yeah, because I know you got involved because the actual I, I heard about you from uh, through um, Duncan Goose. I know you um, from uh, One Water. And I know that you got involved in launching sort of um, helping out with like global ethics and launching One Water in Australia. Is that right? Where this yeah, where you, you you're giving away 100% of the profits uh, to fund like water pumps and project water projects and humanitarian work in Africa. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So so it was it was quite funny when um, when I met Duncan and um, and, and Paul. Uh, who Paul had worked for me uh, many many years ago, so it was really amazing to see their vision and, and what they were achieving. So yeah, I was I was the first to put my hand up to say let's bring it to Australia, but um, never easy. I think um, selling a consumer product. So my um, my mission is more stay into services if you can. <laughs> uh, and I enjoyed. Um, I read I read an article that you wrote. Um, on uh, on LinkedIn, which was um, there's there's a few, there's some actually some really really great ones up there. But um, one of them was um, it's a bit of a um, off detour, but um, it was uh, why entrepreneurs uh, love Burning Man festival. And um, you, you were talking and gave us some you know some you went along and actually summarised you know some of the things you got out of it. But one of the things you mentioned at the end was um, that you know one takeaway from the event is that it taught you to 
embrace principles over rules. What exactly do you mean by that? Yeah, well, everything I teach in my entrepreneurial programs is, is about, you know, it's, it's a bit of a cliche, but it's a, the whole teach the guy to fish rather than giving the fish. And I think that's every business is, is different. Every business size, you know, there's lots of different sizes of business. Every industry is different. So if you, if you teach entrepreneurs principles, they can apply it in their own way. If you teach um, in, in, the, in the social enterprise space, so for instance, in the entrepreneurs, we have uh, six different principles that we're trying to revive. So it's about things like, um, it's, you know, it's, it's vocation over vacation rather than trying to make all of this money so you can retire or for the weekend. It's sort of like do what you really love doing. Um, or it might be about it's it's about being extraordinary rather than ordinary. If we're going to create these big legacies, you know, where's the next pyramids that are going to survive thousands of years? Where's the where's the next massive change like we did have from the 15th century uh, Renaissance um, rather than building these really crummy little apartments? You know, so I think if you, if you start with principles, people can then work out how to apply them themselves rather than just a couple of tips or methods. Rather than having a really what rather than being too strict, like actually people can have that and then build on it and adapt it and develop it to sort of suit their, each circumstance. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I think you know, people want freedom within boundaries, I guess. So principles are, are a guiding light and a, and, a, and a direction that you can help uh, follow. Fantastic. And another thing um, which um, you said was a big learning, I think this, you, you learned this, um, you kind of said you already knew this, but it kind of like really hit home when, you know, you know it got sunk in again when you heard it from Richard Branson, is this idea of like life and business is all about adventure. Is that, does that tie in with this, what you're talking about at the beginning, about to almost treat it like a game, you know, when, when we take things too seriously, you know, we kind of lose sight of, you know, the fun. Is it, or, is that, or do you mean something else by that? Life and business is all about adventure. Well, I think if you think about adventure generally, it's, a, it's about throwing yourself into something that's a little bit scary, a little bit in the unknown. Um, and, and my observation of people um, is when they get into that situation, that's when the real true learning and, and personal growth happens. So you've sort of got to be a little bit uncomfortable. That's what adventure really means. But I think do it with a smile on your face. Um, just embrace <laughs> um, um, and, and, and you are going to, uh, you know, it's one of those decisions. The decision to go and travel around the world for 12 months as a backpacker was one of the best things I ever did. But, you know, I, I really embraced it. And, you know, all of the scrapes and whatever that I went through, I still did it with a smile on my face thinking that, wow, this is going to be, when I get back to my, my real world, I'll, be, I'll have some great stories to tell. And that's really, for me, what adventure is about. Yeah, no, I agree. And did you, have you had any sort of really memorable failures along the way that have sort of stuck out and yeah, that that you've really learned from? Or because uh, I know that I know that obviously failure is is part and parcel with you know achieving anything in life. Um, you know, coming with success. You know, there's often a lot of failures along the way. And have you had any sort of big failures that have stuck out and you know been big learnings? Yeah, I mean, about twelve months into into business, when I, after I founded the Blueprint in um, in uh, at the age of twenty five, there was three of us actually that founded it. Um, but one of the one of the chaps, um, you know, sent us down a certain business direction, and the people didn't pay their bills, and it really it sent us into um, I'm not sure what you'd call it in the UK, but it's um, you know uh, chapter twelve I think in America and in, in Australia it's voluntary administration. So essentially, you go bust, um, and it's and it's really humbling to do that as an entrepreneur when you've got this vision to create this multi-million dollar business and all of a sudden you can't afford to pay your bills. So you do, a, you do, you do an arrangement with your creditors, which again is very humbling, and then you know, hopefully move on from there. So the, you know, I think that taught me a huge amount in business, um, you know, even though we, we, we very, had a lot of uh, integrity and principles. In fact, we, we ended up paying back all of our creditors even though we weren't legally um, obliged to do it. But that gave us, I think, the confidence um, and the reputation to go on and achieve the success we eventually did. 
Amazing. Amazing. And so kind of, yeah, no, I love, I love that. So you actually, you sort of took that failure, that humbling experience and sort of built on it and actually used it almost as a positive. So would you, would you regret that? Or do you actually think that was actually an amazing, you like looking back, I mean, was there no regrets there because, you know, that was actually a stepping stone to where you went on to would. Yeah, I suppose you can, <laughs> maybe I'm uh, conflicting with what I said earlier, but, you know, I probably wouldn't want to go through that again. I think it could <laughs> Years off my life, and um, I, I think I became, I, I did lose a little bit of fun out of out of, um, out of my personality. That really took really hit home, and you know, over time, I think you, you recover a bit of that. But um, it really made me grow up. I, I guess I was a kid in a twenty-five-year-old's body, but um, that was the moment when I became a, a fully fledged adult. And sometimes I think, I think you don't want to become an adult too early. Yeah. <laughs> And I just maybe a couple of speed round questions um, to finish off. Uh, what does a fulfilled life mean to you, Creel? Well, I have this little philosophy called uh, rocking chair theory. When I'm sitting on the uh, on my balcony when I'm the age of 85, that I've got no regrets. So a fulfilled life is one where you you just embrace it and, and um, make decisions and, and don't don't regret your life. That's nice, I like it. And what is one thing our listeners can do today that will have a massive positive effect on their lives? Yeah, I think don't don't sweat the small stuff. I think that's a really um, really strong thing. It's not not original for for, for for my material, but it's certainly left me in good stead. And and, and as other people realise that life is is about making decisions, um, hopefully it'll help your listeners as well. And are there any books or resources which have changed or had a massive impact a massive impact on you? Well, on the um, on the entrepreneurial front, I think the E Myth is a really uh, Michael Gerber wrote a wrote a great book around the entrepreneurial myth, essentially that. Um, you know, just be careful what you ask for. If, if you think you're going to end up with this amazing freedom by starting your own business, it doesn't always work that way. You could end up being trapped if you're not careful and if, and if you haven't got the right personality for it. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. That book is awesome. And it, it really helps you look at the business almost uh, as, as, a, as a system. And actually, so it, it goes on about like sort of the franchise model, doesn't it? And actually building something which is replicable and actually works again and again. And last but not least, how can people stay in touch and find out more about you? Um, well, I guess they can uh, search me out on uh, LinkedIn, Creel Price. Um, otherwise, I've, I've started a new business uh, called investable.com, with an I-B-L-E. Um, and it's a really great movement where we're, um, we're helping people build uh, businesses, a million-dollar business in 10 weeks using $10,000. And it's just really starting to get some traction. Amazing. Creel, thank you so much for talking to me today. I really, really appreciate it. It's been absolutely fascinating. And um, yeah, I know you're calling in from uh, from Australia. So uh, it's yeah 12 o'clock at night here. It's about 8 a.m. in the morning. So you've obviously had to get up pretty early. So um, I really appreciate you um, you taking the time to talk to me today. Thank you so much. No, no worries. Great to talk. Talk soon. Mm-hmm.